Hello everyone. Today I'm going to attempt to talk about the church and its money. Seems to be a big topic um, lately uh, inside the church, outside the church. People have been complaining about uh, LDS Incorporated for years and years and years, accusing the church of just being a, a big money-making machine and uh, a, a religion on the side, so to speak. So this is something that people have been complaining about uh, for years. But recently, it seems like members are kind of getting their knickers in a knot about the church's wealth. And uh, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, as maybe some of you have known, in America, there's been a couple... Uh, wealthy ex-members trying to sue the church to get their tithing back because they felt that they were duped and donated uh, under false pretenses, and which I thought was interesting. Uh, anybody would realize that uh, a free will donation is not going to come back to you, but uh, good, for, <clears throat> good for them for trying, I guess. But because of these things, the uh, another person. Let me back up a second. Another person that allegedly worked for the church in the finance department, uh, you know, a whistleblower type person, said, hey, the church has got all this money and they're not doing the right things with it uh, through uh, tax situations and stuff like that. And when that person said that, I'm like, there is no way <laughs> that is happening. Uh, first of all, the U.S. government would be all over that. Second of all, you would have to have literally thousands of people turn a blind eye to something. The church spends a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money on checks and balances and, and tracking their money. They're not going to be stupid and do some dumb mistake uh, to maybe save a buck or two in taxes. Not going to happen. But, uh, you know, bless that guy's heart. He felt that he was doing the right thing and saying, hey... The church has, I think the number was like a hundred billion dollars, and then from that, that got some some press, and now even members in the church are like, "Well, wait a second, that's what what's too much money?" So I've decided to take a minute. It's not going to take a long time doing kind of my view of the history of finances in the church, and kind of give you my take, opinion, if you care, on the church and its money. To me, from the beginning, it's the alternative is we're broke uh, like we were in the early church days and they're begging for more money and they can't keep their doors open. So if nothing else, if you want to step back and look at the church having excess money, to me is a testament that they're doing something right. There's no church money scandals where the top brass is skimming off the top and and spending tons of money that you hear in other re, uh, religions. There's been, far as I know, in my church history reading, no financial scandal except for the fact that we were dirt poor for a long, long time and almost closed our doors uh, a couple times because of it. But So to me, having excess money is a testament of we're doing something right not necessarily doing something wrong like people think. But let's get into it a little bit and, and I'll share my uh, high overview of the church and its money. 
You might not know, you might know, uh, it was common knowledge that the church was not doing well financially in the beginning of, of the church. Joseph Smith, Brigham Young days, they were constantly kind of short on cash. And uh, the church was growing fast, and when that happened, you need money. Uh, people sometimes forget that there's a business side of the church, and that business side of the church needs funds to operate. You can't have a church organization and not have a financial revenue. It just can't happen. So God's way is tithing. Hey, you want to be uh, part of a religious organization? Uh, you should donate uh, to that organization that you belong to and and use that benefits you in your life and your in your family's life. So we were in debt as a church up until 1907. So that's a long time, about 75 years of basically money problems and debt that the church had to go through. Most people don't know that there was a couple times in our history that we were literally days, weeks, maybe months, somewhere around, right around there, um, away from closing our doors and being bankrupt. Uh, if you think about that uh, with the headlines today about how much money we have, can you imagine that the church almost had to close their doors a couple times in the 1800s because we couldn't pay the bills. So, again, this is high level. In 1882, a man named Heber, a young man named Heber J. Grant, was called to be an apostle at the age of 25. And when I saw that, I'm like, when I was studying just random church history, I'm like, wow, that's unique even for the 1800s, a 25-year-old being called as an apostle. Well, I, I started studying Heber J. Grant. I was curious and he was a very business savvy young man. He was very successful and people knew that he was kind of successful and went to him for business advice and financial advice and things like that. So it's my opinion that the brethren said, hey, we need a business savvy person in the quorum. Uh, let's get Heber J. Grant, make an apostle and, and pick his brain. And people forget, people members forget that the the Quorum of the Twelve, the First Presidency, not only are they tasked with being our spiritual leaders, but throughout the church history, they're the people that run the business side of the church. So you have to have this unique person. Now, of course, they have help. There's tons of hired help that the church uses, accountants and things like that. But when it comes uh, down to it, the brethren... Uh, Ultimately, the, the uh, president has to decide what we do financially and what we don't do financially. So you've got these spiritual leaders trying to be business leaders and, and manage both parts of the church, the spiritual side and the business side. That just wasn't going well. So kudos to them for looking at a 25-year-old Heber J. Grant that's got business savvy and say, hey, come aboard, we need your help. And the fascinating thing about this. As an apostle, Heber J. Grant was tasked at least twice that I read to go to the financial institutions and look for investors for the church so we could keep our doors open. And literally he was told, go find money, don't come back without it, because if you come back without it, 
we're shutting our doors and that ain't gonna that ain't gonna go well so you can get an idea of the financial issues uh, that the church was going through them they were in dire straits uh, for a long time so then uh, later Lorenzo Snow is called to be the president and that was in 1898 and the church was still in debt about that uh, at that time for about between 1.3 2.3 million dollars depending on uh, where you get your information and that seems like very little money uh, today but uh, 1.3 in 1898 was probably con considered a lot at that time the the government was still seizing things that the church owned and and seizing accounts and buildings and making the, the church pay uh, fines and things like that they're trying to squeeze the church to, to stop polygamy and so tithing was about five hundred thousand dollars a year and it dipped down to about three hundred thousand dollars a year and because the members were thinking that the money was going to the government and they weren't big fans of the government that at that point which i can understand and so the members started cutting back paying tithing so now lorenzo snow's got an issue and he was bothered by the debt of the church he was bothered uh, by not having enough uh, funds and so he made it kind of his focus and if you're old enough you've seen the the movie that the church put together called the windows of heaven it was about lorenzo snow and tithing and things like that but lorenzo snow was really trying to figure out hey how are we going to correct the ship and and take care of this and of course the big aha moment for him was tithing that's the church's now the church had a lot of businesses back then that Brigham Young started that were profit producing businesses actually a ton Brigham put his hand almost in everything uh, business wise and was that very very uh, business savvy but the the revenue is obviously member donations and so Lorenzo Snow said hey that that's that's what's going to turn this ship is we've got to focus on members and paying tithes so one of the genius things that he did was to tell uh, bishops to not give temple recommends to non-tithe payers so it was as far as i can tell with her church history you were supposed to be a full tithe payer to to go to the temple but it wasn't really emphasized bishops weren't like today you don't pay tithe you don't have a temple recommend back then it was kind of the bishop's discretion to go all right you're close enough you paid 80 percent you can still go so president snow really uh, told the bishops hey you got to stop doing that and don't give out recommends until they're full tithe payers and once that happened by 1907 the church was debt free and there's no doubt in my mind that that no tithe no temple was what made that change and of course we still do that today i thought that was a, a very genius move on uh, lorenzo snow's uh, part um, made a huge difference money-wise for the church 
Now, even though there was no debt after 1907, the church was not loaded with money for a long time. Again, if you're old enough like me, you know that uh, even up until probably the 70s, 1970s, members were assessed building funds because the local congregations would have to pay the, the building expenses. I remember uh, as a kid helping build one of our churches. The ward members were asked to spend some time cleaning up uh, construction debris, doing all that we can to help build the building we were going to. Those who are young or you just pay your tithing and the buildings pop up and nobody asks you for extra money. But uh, in, in my day, we were asked for extra money to help uh, with the building expenses and things like that. So what is tithing for? You know, again, people are, hey, the church has too much money. What are they doing? That's not right. That's not Christian, whatever. But really, let's, I know most people know what tithing's for, but, but let me just spend a minute and talk about it. Tithing, tithing is, has and always was for the church. It never was meant to help everybody outside the church. Now they can. The brethren can use it basically for whatever they want to. But the number one purpose and goal is to make sure the church keeps the doors open. Make sure the church can provide the program services that they've decided to do. So, you know, as you know, the money is for running the business side of the church. The buildings, the temples, the seminaries, the institutes, the colleges, the thrift stores, the canneries, you know, etc., Tithing props up the missionary program, even though we donate our own time when we, or money when we go on missions, doesn't cover all the expenses, all the cars out there, all the mission homes, the traveling, the mission president's uh, expenses. So tithing goes to the mission program. Um, Expenses running all those businesses, the electricity, the gas, the maintenance, the lawn care, Uh, Every building we have costs money to run, as you know, just like your own house or apartments. Tithing goes to salaries. Um, The salaries to the brethren, the the 12, the first presidency, are are given a a living wage, which they should, because they were asked to stop their businesses and and do church full-time, so that makes sense. Um, Church employees, general staff, Again, seminary institute teachers, college professors, etc. So there's a tithing goes to to all those things, and I, you know, I've paid tithing. I've been a member all my life, so I've paid tithing, and I've never in my life uh, been told that my tithe money was to do anything besides stay and go to the church. I was never told that my tithe money would relieve suffering in Zimbabwe or uh, open orphanages in wherever. I don't know why some members think that we're not using our tithe money that we have um, appropriately, I guess, and in the sense because we have a lot of money and we're sitting on it. But I was never under the impression that my, my tithe donations went anywhere except for those things we just talked about. The church and the church's expenses as a church. So I don't know uh, why people are kind of getting a little 
up in arms about having a hundred billion dollars in a mattress somewhere for uh, a rainy day. Yes, that's if that statement is correct. Uh, meaning, do we have that much money as an organization? I don't know. You don't know. We have to trust some rogue accountant that left the church. Probably not your best source of truth. But even if he is correct and we have $100 billion, I say, so what? We don't know what the church plans are for that money. We don't know what kind of economic changes in the world because we're a worldwide church. We have buildings all over the place. And quite frankly, something could happen that prevents uh, money donations coming into the church. We could have an event where members, you know, 20, 30% of the members lose their jobs. That's going to be a, a big change in donations. The church is just really, really trying to be financially responsible for your donation. And when you add them having all those years in the past of almost going bankrupt and living paycheck to paycheck, it's, and with my reading of church history, it's like they're obsessed. They're meaning the brethren obsessed with making sure we never go back to not being able to afford to do the work of the church and keep the doors open. And that's a good thing. That's a responsible thing. Am I sitting here going $100 billion is not enough or it's too much? I don't know because the church doesn't tell us what that money's planned for. They could be writing a big check someday on something that we don't even know that they know. And, and that's why they have $100 billion bucks. They might, you know, you and I don't know what the expenses are. I can imagine it's in the billions of dollars a year, uh, b- billions with a B, the expenses that the church spends every year to keep the doors open. So is our $100 billion five, six years worth of expenses? I don't know. I do know that in typically when you're poor, if you've ever been poor, think about the time when you were poor and how fun that was where you were trying to make every dollar stretch. And if you were lucky enough to have money uh, later in life, people tend to hoard that money. I know in my case, I do, because I don't want to experience, there's nothing wrong with being poor. I've been poor, I've been rich, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you have a tendency, uh, human nature is to kind of squirrel a bunch of money and try to prevent that poorness from happening and try to not let it happen again. In some weird way, I think the church is doing that. I think they're obsessed with the fact that we never want to go back to being in debt, to almost closing our doors, so we're going to go kind of the extreme the other way and make sure that we are financially taken care of and that the members who have donated that money can count on us to keep the doors open, come what may, for the most part, whatever happens. And that, to me, is a good thing. I remember President Hinckley a long, long, long time ago was at a conference that I happened to be at, and he made a comment about the church finances. And this was a long time ago, obviously. President Hinckley's been gone for quite a while. And I loved his comment because he, 
He said, we practice what we preach. We, we stay out of debt. We save certain amounts of money. He didn't say the percentage, you know, but I would imagine they have this number uh, for every dollar we get, you know, 25 cents goes to the savings account. I have no what that, idea what that number is, but he made it clear that there is a savings plan in place. And bless his heart, he said, we keep it in a mattress. And he jokingly said, it's a pretty big mattress, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But, and then he also said, and we do invest in different things uh, with other parts of the money uh, and do different uh, uh, social things and things like that. So for those who are, have a problem, I guess, with the church and its money, just understand we were dirt poor. We almost closed our doors. These brethren that are in charge with your donation are going to, in my opinion, go to the extreme to make sure that never happens again. And I think that's a good thing. Now, would I be offended if the church started spending a couple hundred million dollars a year and donating it to other organizations? No, because my opinion is when I hand them that tithing donation, I am saying, even though I think that it's going to building up, not building up the kingdom, I guess it could be considered building up the kingdom through missionary work, but even though that my donation, I'm expecting them to keep the doors open with it, I also know the second that leaves my hand and hits their account, that I've agreed that they can do whatever they want with it, and they can. And so if they decided to start doing more uh, service with it and for other organizations and, and doing things, I would be fine with that. Uh, and quite frankly, even if I wasn't, it doesn't matter because I've given them a the money through a donation, a free will donation, they can do whatever they want. I love the fact that they're very uh, aware of that donation and they are making sure that the church stays financially stable and it's nice for me as a member to not have to worry about a financial scandal, church needs more money, that kind of thing. To me, it's a good thing that we have extra money and um, I hope other people will feel that same way. And whatever you do, I, I would strongly encourage you even though the church has a lot of money to still pay your tithing. I know some members are like, well, why am I paying tithing? The church has more money they can spend, so I'm gonna back off my tithing or whatever. Tithing is a religious principle and it should be uh, paid if you believe in that principle and want that blessing. Now, I think it should be free will. I, I think it's, actually, I really don't think it should be tied to salvation, i.e. temple recommend but uh, that's a whole nother podcast but the we use the services if you're sitting in the pews if your kids are going to mutual if your kids are in primary if they're in seminaries if they're in college at byu you're using tithe money so please don't make me pay your share by going and not paying tithe in the church everybody that is in an organization needs to do their part i.e. pay something. If you can't pay 10% for whatever reason, pay something <clears throat> because you're using the services. But uh, that's my high-level opinion on the church and its money. I think it's a good thing. 
I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, and I hope that you look at that knowing our history and go, okay, I get it. It's okay to, to have a financially well-off uh, church and there's reasons for that and you don't have a problem with it. Thanks for listening.